Welcome to the Echoing Soundstream podcast. We're here with Michael Steinberg and Luke Bedsall. And through the deepest bottom of our hearts, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And a happy uh, Christmas as well. Yes. Christmas time. I love Christmas. It's a beautiful time of the year. Yeah. yeah. Even as someone who did Hanukkah all his life, I love Christmas. He did Christmas too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Which one was better? Christmas. Obviously. And not even close. Hanukkah's nice, but it's n- it's it's more religious. It's not. It's been turned into the Jewish Christmas, but it's there's a lot more. It's really not like Christmas at all. Yeah. Yeah, Christmas is a pretty corporate thing. I, I tend to heavily endorse Christmas. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm sure businesses probably love it. I mean, it is happening because they're, oh, yeah. they're uh, in reaping the rewards of it. Yeah, I mean, the, the religion set up the platform and capitalism said, hey, we can make money off of that. Yeah, anything there is that can be made off of will be made in Christmas. And that sounded terrible, but that that's okay. <laughs> that was inside yeah, out that, and backwards. That was a very Wisdextic use of words. Um, but, yeah, so how's it going, Michael? Going pretty good. You know, been working hard, been working hard. I know you have as well. And oh yeah. preparing for the podcast, which was recent. That that was today. Yeah, today. Yeah. But hey, it's fun. It's actually a lot of fun doing this. Yep. We're uh, in the process of getting video set up, so we should have that in the next week or two. Yeah, and then we'll set up our YouTube channel, and we'll go from there. Yep. So things are looking good. Going into 2019, gonna hit the ground running. Yeah, going strong, man. Yep. Um. And let's uh, let's just touch on the news from there because yeah. it has been an incredible week. Yeah, going into 2019 is probably not as fun for Sean as it is for the rest of us. Uh, he's had a bad week. Bad week. He's had a bad couple weeks so far. Yeah. I mean, b- between Syria, between the wall, all the resignations, it's not fun. No. I mean, I I, I don't know what to, I, I'd say Syria is probably the worst thing he could have done. I, I'm more concerned about that than the and wall itself. What did he do with Syria? Well, just pulling out. It was a direct pulling out of Syria, similar to what Obama did in 2012 and also did Afghanistan. Wow. Okay. And it leaves a power vacuum to be – it just leaves a hole for someone to fill it. So it's either going to be ISIS coming back. It's either going to be Turkey or Russia or Iran. That's why it's from Turkey. So basically – Even France said that what's probably going to happen is some type of war, civil war or outside war. Well, it's going to be a mass slaughter of the Kurds. Yeah, which is that's bad. Uh, there's that's allies right there that we're leaving to die. Hmm. And I don't understand Trump's reasoning for doing any of this. It makes the U.S. look bad. It makes him look bad. Everyone's against him. I don't even know who the chief Kurds are. I really don't either. I, they're just groups that apparently we're allied with in the area. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm really not too familiar with the Kurds. Yeah, because I found an article that said. If I was reading it correctly, uh, Turkey is getting ready to – well, they're staging outside a Kurdish hotel right now. Yeah. Yeah, Beirut. Turkey is massing troops near a town in northern Syria held by U.S.-backed and Kurdish-led force, a war monitor and Turkish media said Sunday. So – Leaving our allies there to die, I guess. Yeah, no, that's classic move, Sean. So are we at war with Turkey? No. We're not really at war with anybody. Are we fighting Turkish people? We just don't want to. There's a very, I mean, uh, there's a very, it's a very iffy relationship. And it's funny, because Turkey is supposed to be the epitomal of a modest, like a, mo- a moderate Islamic regime. Right. Which is not. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> okay. 
Turkey's not our friend. Russia's not our friend. No one there is our friend except Israel. But you know what? Since we're going to probably do a little bit of bashing chomp, I'm going to give some good news for Trump. So this was posted today from the uh, 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 sorry, the International Business Times. That Donald Trump legalizes a variety of cannabis in the U.S. So really, he has not legalized pot. That would be fascinating. So that would be a good way to turn his negative image around. Yeah, um, if he decides to jump to the Democratic ship. Yeah, but it, it seems like he uh, basically legalized pot federally, and that's something. And CBD. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah so hemp's a huge cash crop. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And it's you know it's going to save the soil for us. We love our trees. Well, yeah, that's you know what? That's a good question. Now that we're bringing hemp back into the equation, we used to use hemp for everything. Yeah, no, it was useful. We used it for paper mostly. but Yeah, so do you think hemp, hemp paper is going to make its way back around? Will it eventually be cheaper than free I d- paper? I do not think it will be cheaper anytime soon. Yeah. I, uh, it's a seasonal crop, though. It's probably going to be cheaper to harvest. At first, though, with the new laws, people are going to know that. Yeah. I would think you'd start your prices high, but there's no— Oh, yeah, for sure. Down the road, I would love to see it. I think it would make sense. Yeah. I'm just, I'm wondering, how long does it take for, will hemp dominate the paper market, and how long will it take if that is going to happen? I would imagine the logging industries and the paper industries in general would do everything they can to lobby against it. Right. But, makes sense, makes sense. That that explains itself now. So you're thinking maybe two decades, a decade? Twelve yeah. and a half years on July twenty fourth. If you, if I was gonna give you an exact year, I would say more like twenty twenty one. I'd say like three, Good dec- long three decades, two three decades. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd say that. Yeah, it makes sense. Good. Yeah. It's a couple generations for people to get used to it. Yeah, and, and like I said, it all depends on prices and how much we can use hemp further. I actually don't know the actual limits of hemp other than flavoring yeah. into paper. Nobody knows the limits of hemp, Michael. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But um. Yeah, so I mean, I'll call that good Trump. That that's it for for his most recent news. That's all we've got going on. That's his most positive piece of recent news. Of very recent news, my new move from Sedona to Topeka. How's that? How's that going? Well, to uh, throw another cherry on top of the Trump Sunday, he was making comments, uh, negative comments about the Federal Reserve, and people are concerned that he's going to behead the organization and fire the guy in charge of it, but also one of his aides. I couldn't pronounce that guy's name. Yeah, I know. It's got it's a like weird Nun- end in it. Nunitzer or something? Nunitzer. Yeah. Nunitzer. Something Nunitzer. But anyway, he went and called executives, bank executives from big national banks and asked them how their banks were doing and then tweeted about it publicly. And this caused panic. So all the big bank stocks started to crash, plus the S&P and the Dow. And I mean, it's just been a terrible few weeks for trading. Well, the look, stock market was just a wreck. When the stock market started going up, it's because he was decreasing regulation on everything. He wasn't scaring the market. Now he is just pushing his way into it. Oh, he's abusing it. Yeah, and he's not the best businessman in the world, no matter how many people say he's doing that. He's making a lot of mistakes. He's not making deals. I mean, frankly, like the one of the bigger issues with him is the wall. Uh, he's losing his base based on the wall. He's give, he's he's like going back and forth on giving up with the wall with the budgeting. Now, then there was another article found today that 
uh, top Trump White House official signaled that the president is willing to accept less money than he's been demanding for the U.S.-Mexico border. He's already looking for $5 billion. Now, this article doesn't actually say what he's willing to take. Um, yeah, no, it's all it says is we hope they move up from their $1.3 billion. So they've right. already offered up $1.3 billion. Get that GoFundMe page going. Well, the GoFundMe page is going. Yeah, seven days. 16.5 mil. That's huge. That's a big number. And we looked it up earlier. It was almost like 276,000 or more individual donors. Um, if I remember right, it was like 220,000 maybe. Oh, okay. It was 200 and something thousand. It was, yeah. It was somewhere in Pe- there. But people want it. People want the wall. And it... I, w- honestly, it's funny. When Trump was first running... Um, and he was running on the wall. I kind of just laughed at it. Mm. I thought I thought the idea was just so dumb or so pointless that it didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, who's I really that concerned about a wall? Yeah, well, I was just like, you beef up drugs for him, fine. Yeah. And then, honestly, you don't have to start looking so racist. <laughs> like, you know, I, I fell into the pit there. Everything he said sounded a little racist. And I understood the rhetoric, but we need a wall. I am I, very pro-wall. Look, I, I've been saying this for a while. If America wants to build a wall, it's absolutely fine. But build a wall like China has. Something that'll stand for centuries, millennia. Something beautiful, well-crafted. Something that's a statement. I got it. All the diamond mines, let's carry all the diamonds in the world. Let's just get a diamond wall. That looks like it would make Trump happy. Can we use rock candy and mortar for diamonds together? Actually, that would be good. Okay. I'm totally into that. Shiny wall. I think that'd be kind of good looking. That would be. I know distracting. that would never happen. I don't care. It'd be very. Imagine powerful. seeing that from space. It's just like a glowing white wall. Yeah, it'd be beautiful. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And imagine the. Uh, the uh, I would imagine you get some kind of lighting from the sun around the areas of the wall. You can make that the next tourist attraction. You can make money off that. I, f- I know that when sunlight passes through a prism, yeah. it separates into its individual spectrum. That'd be good. Yeah. Have a rainbow wall. Yeah. That'd be the most LGBTQ, AI, PCF, FB, AIMG that we could be as a nation. <laughs> You're not too far off. I, th- I, think, I think right now it's like LGBTQ, AI or something like that. Artificial intelligence is coming, people. I don't know if that's I, – I, I don't know. I don't even want to go into yeah. that. No, I, I get it. I get it. It's crazy, and I don't understand it, and I'm a little nervous about it. Yeah. It's it's a really weird agenda that seems to be forced on us. I've got no problem with living that game. I'm not no. calling for anybody to be hurt or stopped, but this movement is calling for people to be hurt and stopped. And it's also just, well, I'm, uh, I mean, uh, people would get mad for me saying this, that, I mean, not the, the, the homosexuality part of it, but the trans part of it. It's it's bad timing. It is. It's, it's a bad thing to be pushing. I, I don't mind trans people. I have trans friends who are yelling, I like trans people, my best friends, and it doesn't mean anything when you say stuff like that. But And I don't care. They don't push their stuff on people. Yeah. And y- that's how you got to make a living. They didn't yell about pronouns. Yep. Uh, it's, it's a time and a place where it feels like everybody's so very sensitive. You know? I, I like to be a ball buster. I, I say ridiculous things. And yeah. We all do that. But we can't do it publicly. We have to present this like perfect public persona. And we've got anybody who's in the public spotlight walking on eggshells right now. 
it's a very dishonest time. We need to kind of turn this around, you know? I heard this somewhere, and so I'm not going to try and fact check myself, but I, d- I heard at one point that the political correctness started from fascist regimes trying to control narratives in this country. It could be. I mean, it certainly, it certainly has a lot of the earmarks of yeah. a fascist movement. Um, well, it's attempted control of the press. Yeah, or speech. Speech number one, but you see that the everything is control over thought and speech, and all the decisions we make affect what we, the way other people think. Maybe not the speech so directly, but it's it's a movement that has negative impact. I think is is the biggest concern, right? So yeah. the the rights of the individuals. Absolutely. Let's fight to make sure everybody has fair rights. But the political correctness side of that coin needs to go away. Mm-hmm. Because tying up the way that people think and talk has negative impact. And people are also forgetting that there's a difference of political correctness versus just being tactful in a conversation. Yeah. Where using certain words are better as beneficial to the situation at hand than just controlling language as a whole. Creating hate speech laws. Or, or you know, at times, it's not. It should not be a fine line. It sh- it should be fairly simple. Oh, absolutely. Where government does not get involved in speech, but that still doesn't mean don't be a jackass. Yeah. That's that's what it really boils down to. <laughs> if you are a jackass, don't call the cops. Then no one can call the cops on you, but you still shouldn't because you're a jackass. Right. That's it. Yeah. That's all I have to do. That's that's it. You know, and we need to have thicker skins. We need to put more emphasis on context. You know, if you're talking to somebody and you make a joke. There's context around it. Your facial expression, your tonality, yeah. what you already know about the person. Like, you know, if you're having a pleasant exchange with somebody, and then out of nowhere they say something that's kind of rude, but also delivered like a joke, they're probably being sarcastic. That's what most people assume. Yeah, you also still have to be factual with the jokes you present and where you present them. Right. Like, don't walk into a random neighborhood of a random group of people and tell jokes about that random group of people. Right. That would be dumb. You, you deserve everything you just did. That was such a PC way to say that. It totally in the spirit. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I have to be. <laughs> that, was <laughs> that was well done, sir. Ah, thank you, yeah. thank you. That's <laughs> white boy knuckle bump. Um, that was not very PC. What do you mean? We are white. Oh, that's true. Can't I say that? No. I don't think it, it, If we're going to create a PC culture, no one can say anything about themselves that anyone else couldn't say. White people should not be allowed to call themselves crackers. No one else should call them crackers. White people or any people cannot use the N-word. Black people can no longer use the N-word. Like, if we're going to wash away certain language, it's for everyone, blanketing down or none at all. It should be. What are some great things to put on crackers? That was my first thought. Pepperoni. Pepperoni, okay. All kinds of belly meats, really. Yeah, or put crackers and soup. That's always good, too. Crackers and soup. Yep. Yeah. Need some more soup. Put on the crackers. Okay. Yep. Yep. I do not advocate for the boiling of crackers. I advocate for the boiling of everything. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so... (laughs) We definitely got off a little bit there. I did want to mention, we brought up the GoFundMe page. But did we bring up the GoFundMe page? Oh, the counter GoFundMe? Oh, I love that. Go ahead. That sounds awesome. I mean, 
you're the one who brought it up originally. I don't know quite as much about it, but basically somebody started a counter GoFundMe. Yeah, for ladders so immigrants could get over the wall. Yeah. And it's funny. I do wonder a question, a legality stance on this, because whatever your position is on immigration, to be funding something openly for illegal immigration purposes, I don't understand how that's allowed. Why the hell has that not been shut down? Plus, they can confiscate the hundred and seventy thousand dollars made from that fake thing. Why is it PC? Why? Why is what PC? That the idea of helping immigrants illegally arrive in this country. That because is because people have lost their fucking mind. That is politically correct. If you can say that, you can post yeah, up the GoFundMe. Yeah, it is PC funding. to break the law. Yeah. Yeah, people have lost their minds. We are we're desperately close to mob rule right now. Yeah. I mean, the court of public opinion has taken on a new life. Why do you think those on the left are so pissed off that popular vote isn't a thing? Or it doesn't matter. Oh, hey. Boy, if it did, we'd probably already be socialist, huh? Well, as far as I know, the past few, this elections I've been alive for, um, and the two, there were two in which the popular vote won, but the electoral lost. And that was 2016 with Trump, and I think that was 2000 with George Bush. Yeah. And, um. Those Viking days. And, you know, sometimes I do wonder whether which system would be better until I realize that the popular vote is nothing more than just mob rule. Right. It doesn't represent the people in the middle of the country. It's much more populated on the coast than it is in the center of the country. So if we elect people based on interests of the coast and forget the middle of the country, it's not good. <laughs> That's the point. That's why we have electoral systems. So everyone has a certain representation in the system. Yep. Yeah. No, and that getting away from that is not good. No. And I don't think we're ever going to. I think that's that's just one of those founding principles that would take massive will. Like that, would, we would need a massive amount of the population support of bipartisan regardless. Like sixty percent or more than Bernie? No, way more than I, I would say. Like eighty to ninety, eighty ninety percent. That'd be something where both parties would have to be on board with, uh, unless the Republicans eventually die out eventually, and <laughs> the Democrat rules and wow. starts swinging. What would make you say that? I always thought Democrats were crazy years ago. Huh. I always thought Democrats or Republicans were just losing popularity through age trends. But I'm glad I'm wrong. When's the younger generation die as opposed to a more conservative generation turn to baby boomer? Yeah. I don't know if it's X or Y or whatever you call it. Z. Is it? I don't know. It might be Generation Z. I'm not sure. (laughs) But I would imagine it's the younger adolescent teenage generation that's the difference. Yeah. And, um, yeah, good for them. We millennials fucked up enough shit. Yeah, Yeah, we sure could have done better. But, um, yeah, it's funny. I mean, back to Trump a little bit. It's it's interesting how many states are kind of leaving Trump because of all these things he's done against them. I mean, the maddest leaving is huge, not whether he loves them or not. I mean, brutal. I mean, not a single attempt to be any sort of respectful towards Trump. No, but the language was professional. It was a a professional fuck you. It was, yeah. I kind of made you smile a little bit. And Trump Trump has been very nice to the people he lets go. He does a very nice um, resignation letter to them or announcement to the team, <coughs> whether it was Nikki Haley or um, or Mattis. Um, there are a lot of people there. Spicy. Mm. Remember Spicy? Spicy. Spicy, yeah. I always mix up Sean Spicer with Spicy. <laughs> Interesting. Well, he's a, well, I, well they, I think they're both kind of garbage human beings. Spicer, I, Spicer a bit. I'm not familiar with either of them. Oh, Richard Spen- Richard Spencer created the IRS. Who? 
dude at the one? Alt right. Alt right. Oh, yeah, oh, like oh, he, he okay. he's kind of like the foremost white supremacist or white nationalist in that group. Yeah. And um, naturally. Yeah, no, he's he's a crap. <laughs> he's a useless human being. It's funny, just to study him a little bit, I, I watched one of his speeches, and it's uh, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's the time where I, pre- I appreciate the protest he does, because he doesn't actually get a chance to talk. Hmm. And I understand the ramifications of that as a general concept of free speech, but in this case, it, it was he uh, he brought a lot of people forward. But you, you watch his crowds, and it's not 80% of it is people protesting him, and then you have, like, two rows in the front of, like, the, the well, the white guys and the in the khaki pants and the white shirts, I guess that's like the undercover white supremacist uniform of today. Okay. Which is weird because I actually like black shirts, but <laughs> it's, so it's annoying. I feel like I can't, I can't wear that anymore. But, um, yeah, no, it's funny. You have like 20 guys in watching this guy, and then you have like 100 to 200 people screaming at him. And it, it, it is entertaining. And it's uh, when it goes – when you ever see other conservative pe- speed group types like Maurer or – I don't even know Maurer that much, but like Ben Shapiro or – Imhoff's son is he's liberal. Um, the majority of the crowd is with them, and there's a small minority screaming them down. Yeah. With Spencer, it was the opposite. It was the mass majority screaming him down, hmm. and a very small minority who couldn't do a damn thing about it. And who's Sean Spicer? Sean Spicer was the old press secretary of the White House. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders is the that's what she does now was her job when he was still sheriff, calling him down. Hmm. Which is odd. Okay. Uh, he just—he was not. Sarah Sanders was good at quelling, like quieting the crowd. I like—I I actually like Sanders a lot. Hmm. But um, yeah, no, Spicer was <laughs> not good. Trump was not a good speaker. Neither was Spicer. Okay. I think Sarah. It, well, at least she's got some background to the way she speaks to the crowd. Oh, good night. Yep. Get on her. Get on her. But that is the worst job you can have. Any 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 top aide for Trump is oh, the yeah. worst job. Being his personal attorney is probably the top worst job in America. Talk about stress. Yeah. Oh, and God, what's his name? Uh, Giuliani. Uh, he's not really doing anybody any good right now. Mm. Um, yeah, and then the press secretary at the FBI and the chief of staff. Somebody needs to figure out how to delete his Twitter. Yes, yes. If, if they could stop him tweeting, his life would be so much easier. Well, I really wonder if the president should even be allowed to tweet in general. Probably not. I feel like that's like a dangerous mention of leaking classified information. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's it's that, and it's just he's so influential, he shouldn't be communicating this casually with the public. Yeah. I mean, that's really ridiculous. Just imagine a scenario, though, where Trump starts, they're, they're doing a, an impeachment process. <coughs> so just in retaliation, Trump just starts firing off random classified files on Twitter. I could I could see him do that. Just that's got to be his type of personality. He would probably just take it. Yeah. And, and then he would be known as the president who shared the information with the world. Hey. We like that. I <coughs> am totally for government transparency in any form it may arise. Yeah, but that would still be dangerous. It would be, but I'd like to know what the hell is going on. Yeah, it depends on what it is. Like if he <laughs> starts posting pictures of aliens or something, that'd be pretty dangerous. I I believe in aliens. I do. Do I have they been here? I don't know. Maybe I am an alien. Men are from Mars. Uh, oh, men are from Mars and men are from Venus. Is that the yeah? Uh, okay, I thought you were going into like the Scientology thing. No, I okay. I don't know what Scientology, dude. Uh, I I know 
I know the very, very basic belly area. We are some human races from outer space. Oh, okay. And we came here on some great spaceship. Like an asteroid or? No, like a spaceship. Oh. Well, science I don't get. I don't get it. <laughs> science says we are stardust. But yeah, I guess. I mean, but that's e- pretty e- cool. Everything is stardust. Yeah. All carbon-based life yeah. forms. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Right? I mean, it's. I find that very interesting. Yeah. Anyways, I got a beer in. Okay. I mean, I guess, I guess it gives me a little dinner. But that's all. It's, it's not. It's not like an eye-opening, enlightening moment. It's just an interesting fact that yeah. it makes you go, hmm, you know? That I guess stars are like the first thing, and then as they burn, they burn so hot that there's actually new elements created within them. I think I'm getting that. I hope I'm getting that right. This has nothing to do with news. I don't know. No, I know. I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Yeah. I really shouldn't apologize. It's no Greek thing. Yeah, so that's something I've been trying to tell myself lately for ever since I'm an apologi- ap- <coughs> apologetic little douche. Wow. Yeah. Strong words. Well, if, I, if I'm going to be apologetic, I'm going to call it what it is. I got to call myself by my nickname. All right, so I am definitely terrible at names, and I see that you have mentioned Nikki today. Oh, she was the um, basically the U.S. ambassador uh, for the UN, and she was she was very 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 pro Israel. She was very pro America. She was I wouldn't call her a nationalist, but she was just brilliant. She was the way she was able to shut people down at the UN. Great speaker. I think she used to be the governor of Alaska, if I remember. Um, I'm ninety percent sure that's correct, and I know I know she retired from the UN position, and I hope she comes back. I think she's got a wonderful career in politics and if she wanted to run for president i mean i would be stoked for her to be the first woman president i think she's an amazing woman well that is an incredibly strong endorsement yeah that she would be my endorsement for if i could pick any politician right now to run for president on the republican side it's it's not donald trump it would probably be bernie mainly not only that but i don't think there's a lot of good republican senators or any or any public figures right now i mean i like lindsey graham but he would, I think he's, I don't, a lot of people don't like him. He wouldn't win. I am starting to be of the opinion that this government's so badly broken, it needs to crumble in order to be fixed. Yeah, I, but I'd rather dismantle it through, like, a small government kind of thing. Yeah. Not just crumble it, but actually piece by piece. Fragment it. Yeah. yeah, piece it out. I mean, I, I don't want to see a revolution. I'm not calling for anything like that, but... Just from an outside perspective, kind of looking in and going, what are the possibilities? Yeah. I feel like it's almost too possible for there to be a revolution in the next couple of years. I mean, next 10 to 15. If, if like things like keep c- on... Like a citizen's revolt? Yeah. Okay. If things keep on getting worse and worse, where you've got this, this part of America in the middle and in the south, where there's a very tangible sense of distrust in the government... And if, if it keeps on the way it's going and the government keeps forcing them to feel ostracized, you could see some real trouble. I wonder about that. I, I, I can see the unrest happening, but I don't think a citizen's like uh, revolution would carry much weight on the state of America at the moment. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah. I, I'm not sure about how it would actually happen. It wouldn't win. It, it, it wouldn't. It would be a good fight. I mean, in, in America – the way it is today, I don't think it would. It would be more about the story, yeah, uh, the martyrdom, 
probable cause. I could see a political coup in this that taken out say the treasurer saying like one political side kind of takes certain fuel fuels off of the citizens to get something in and then kind of that leads to that way. I, I could see something like that if this were any of this were to happen. I, I don't think it's yeah. anytime soon. You think we're safe? I don't know. I, I feel like everybody... I, I don't think in our lifetime it's going to happen. <coughs> Everybody's got a feeling that something's not quite right. I don't. Yeah, but I, I also think there's never been a feeling that anything was quite right before. I think there's always unrest with people. Maybe. And I, I, at times, in, in recent history, at times it's been maybe easier to deal with because there were a lot of outside factors. Like, go back on <coughs> just over the past hundred years, the Cold War was a looming threat that kind of united and then slightly divided towards the end America. Um, you had World War II and World War One wars that attempted to get to him. And these were the problems of the day, not internal struggles of a nation. And, um, and But at the same time, there was there was a great question and stress on everything, and no one was rich right. at that point. I mean, I don't think these problems are new. I think the only thing that's new about what we have now is that our president is a douche. A, a douche, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good word for him, actually. Which might also be the brand of toupee one day. Yeah, I, I, was, I was actually Get stunned one. when I learned that wasn't a toupee. Oh, come on. Why'd he grow hair? Why did he grow hair that looks like a toupee? Because he loves it. He's like, uh, he probably just saw I saved money on the toupee. That was my new year's toupee. He's trolling. I, maybe. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's at the end of, a, of what, almost 80-year troll? <laughs> I'm going to become wealthy yeah, and put my I name I on everything. And I actually don't know how old he is. Myself. I think he's like 78, 78. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go out, Cougar. He's doing pretty good. And I'll tell you what. Let's take a break while you go ahead and look that up. Sounds good. And we're back for all of that half a second that you guys missed. Um, so real quick, Trump is actually 72 years old, so I stuck the gun to his age a little bit. But more importantly, we just had a really good discussion. So I'll ask, and I want everyone who ever listens to this to think about it. What is your favorite cookie? Ooh. I like the peanut blossom. Those are good. Those yeah. are pretty. Wait, is that the one with the Hershey kiss in the middle? Yeah, that's the oh, one. Oh, yeah, those are really good. Really good. Okay, I'd put that in the top five. I, I would still snip the doodle man all the way. Yep. Yep, and it's a fun way to start. Snickerdoodle. Snickerdoodle. Yep, good, good stuff. But, um, you know, getting away from Trump a little bit, one thing I think we were going to kind of talk about is what we both envision to be the next president of the world. I'm just going to ask you to pull the mic a little closer to you. Oh, all right. Yeah, uh, so the concept of a sort of utopia, and do you want to start or should I? Yeah, do it first. All right, I'll, uh, I'll say that I think a more perfect world is one that's more tribal, where it's smaller groups, less reliance on electronics and stuff like that. I think a utopian society lives off the land and works at survival, not at production. Okay, that's fair. I would probably say something close to the opposite, where survival is your next thought when you're thinking of society. You know, the idea of needing to survive is so trite that it doesn't even matter. Huh. So, um, it's definitely more a tech-based society and modern industry is keeping people alive, keeping people around. Um, something I guess you could say we're moving into now. Um, a, a system where it's like the, the perfect AI system that runs everything that, you know, won't get out of hand because it's a utopia. So you don't have to worry about those devil bureaucracies. The, the bugs in the system. 
Yeah, there's there, in this world there's no bugs in the sky. So would people work? No. No, no work. So what happened? We set up AI to continue to improve itself. So progress is still happening, and yeah, at that point, yeah, universal basic income. Okay. No one has to work. But if nobody has to work, what value does money have? None. So why even have a universal? So basic everything's income? free. Everything's completely free. Okay. I'm just saying you you, you would um have your ability to pursue anything you wanted outside of really anything entrepreneurial ability. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like a, a world like that would leave people with no sense of purpose and would leave them more depressed and nihilistic than than would be healthy. To a point, you're probably right. But I think there would be a way for people to find meaning through the arts, through uh, studies of anything they want. I, I mean, I, I think it's possible. I don't. I think that too many people too many people don't have that creativity in them. You know, it's it's not everybody's cup of tea to be the creative type. I no. think a lot of people these days experience uh, depression and nihilism because they are living without a sense of purpose. Well, in today's true, and that's no, that's absolutely true in today's world. Yeah, I, I think there's been a lot left to be desired in the world of people's purpose. Yeah, but um, well, okay, well, I'm just in this utopian society. There's a there we, we would have to find some way to create value. Okay. And how that is, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's, I really that's what I'm wondering. It, it's easier to find purpose in a world like we live in now where uh, a purpose can be done through careers or ca- um, meaning can be found in stuff that you do. If In this society I'm picturing, there's nothing that you can't find purpose in. If all people – if this society came about as a result of all people dedicating their time to community service and charity type work – where they found purpose in improving the world around them. So the robots are taking care of the, the dirty work, but the people are handling making things beautiful, keeping things clean, yeah. um, you know, stuff like that. And yeah, and you're making my world sound pretty good. To have crafts and it's, it's great to listen to. Okay. Yeah. I, I zoomed out so you can't see the, the thing moving. So gotcha. Uh, you know, sound bird stuff. Yep. It's, uh, you know, I, I could see that, but I don't think – it might be a utopia for you because you're a person who is creative and would find a passion and a, a, a lack of work. But I think that the majority of people need to have that built-in sense of purpose. They, well, they lack the equipment to assign their own. Well, I would actually make the argument that everyone has a certain creative level in them. It's just hard to find what that is, whether it's artistic in the sense of music or writing or something like woodworking. Mm sculpting something it could be something big you're building i think everyone has a certain level of creativity that they can use to push something forward in the larger they can do seemingly whatever they want so i i I don't think saying that some people don't have that creative capacity that i think everyone does i just don't think any everyone finds it yeah but and as far as the tribal world i i if if the main purpose of a world like that is survival i mean where's the meaning in that other than just trying to survive, just trying, yes, trying to protect those you love, and I, that that does have a sense of purpose in it. But outside of that, if it's all survival, then isn't that chaos as well? Um, well, yeah, but chaos is part of a purpose world because from chaos comes order, and this is something Jordan Peterson <coughs> talks about with the the spoken word and his reasoning behind not lying, because 
the divine purpose of humanity is to create in chaos order. So diving into a situation where these these basic needs are only met through simple labor gives people a lifestyle that has a built-in purpose. You know, I'm not talking about survival as far as fighting off snow leopards. I'm talking about, you know, farming small small crop fields okay. for like corn and, and vegetables and then um, you know hunting for food and living in balance with nature uh, there there's always going to be elements of those but that's not a part of the utopia and in a utopian world the whole system would be balanced in the favor of humanity okay <coughs> yeah I mean Frank Rizzotti is a cartoon character yeah and I actually I think you could have either because the ideal thing for this world would be craft. I think that craft is is beautiful. So pottery and art and all these kinds of things. Even buildings and um, steel work. You know, all this kind of stuff. I don't know. Well, I some architecture, like some buildings are some of the most gorgeous things you can. It's just how they do it. Well, have you ever seen the YouTube channel Primitive Technology? No, but it sounds like something I'll probably watch. Alright, I'm going to show this to you and I recommend it to anybody who who wants to have 15 minutes of relaxation. It's a guy who doesn't say a single word ever. He doesn't talk. He just films himself playing with mud, basically. And he builds stuff out in the wilderness without any tools at all. He makes his own tools if he needs them with sticks and stones. And he builds furnaces. He makes pottery. He makes roofing tiles. And he builds these neat structures with chimneys. And he does it all with his hands. Hmm. Never says a word. It's very relaxing, and it's beautiful to watch. Hmm. He's well, he's kind of an artist. Yeah, and it, there's kind of a zen element to work like that, focusing, doing it peacefully, doing absolutely whatever you're doing. Where you can find like a meditative practice and connect to it. I, I think, you know, I, I hadn't considered this originally, but what I'm advocating for is sort of the Garden of Eden, really, a, a place where everything is available to whoever needs it, but the work is still required to gather it and keep yourself relaxed. Okay, so yeah, it's the balance between survival and nature, really. I mean, it's yeah, just a return to nature. Right? That's what it, that's what I want, a return to nature. I don't I enjoy technology. You know, I'm kind of a tech junkie. Yeah. You know, I get into this stuff, but I don't think it's healthy for humanity. No, and you're probably right. I mean, I, I love having the world at my fingertips through a phone, like being able to search any tech thing that I can outside of, you know, the great sales apps and phones. And you can have any answer to in your fingertips in seconds. Yep. And that's an amazing thing. I don't think like, that's something that's never been done before. Yeah. And um, you're right. It, it might have some bad effects on society in the future, but I think it's also just natural. You know? Well, I think it's, it's arguable that it has already had negative effects on society in the present. I think the ideas of social media has been more um, destructive to humanity more than just having the information itself. Yeah, if you give everybody a platform, there's a price that's going to be paid. Yeah, exactly. Just go the Facebooks, the Twitters, those things are so weird how connected communities of people who don't know each other are today. Right. And and, and people just react to every little thing. I mean, ever since Trump did, I've been, I know we already said Trump shouldn't have a Twitter account, but he can basically just control how pissed off the masses get by whatever he says on Twitter. Yeah. That's not healthy for the rest of us. No, no, not at all. No. And um, I think 
the core question here is how do you define perfect? You know, is your perfect world defined by the fact that people aren't required to work and are instead allowed to pr pursue their hobbies and interests? Well, the lazy in me says yes. Okay. But I, I, <laughs> I mean, as a working society, I, I see the problems with it. Yeah. And it would have to be done with something that AI is pushing forward. Well, I'll grant you the latitude there because this is a utopia, so you don't yeah. have to be too realistic with it. Yeah, no, in, in a perfect world, I, I think there would be some beauty of no one – it would have to be something along the lines of no one would have to work to survive. Okay. Yep. Uh, people can choose to work in a way that they find calming and peaceful and whatever, but in this world, money would be kind of a worth it. So it'd be there'd be no really reason for me to pursue it, and I get that. I I yeah. get the lack of meaning in that. Well, I've I've thought about this before, and money would be worthless, but there still would be a system of valuation, because first of all, you've got land, and land is finite. There's only so much of it, yeah. So it's always going to have a value. You'd have to find a way to trade land for something of value. And then the other thing would be the artisanal products. So if you're a person who um, breeds chickens and collects eggs, you could trade those for a yeah. clay pot made by somebody. You know. And I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna, and I'm probably gonna go against this world for a second, but the idea of land, I, I it would <laughs> world like this would probably have to have some like communist undertones with the government control of all the private land. Yeah. Like it would have to. It well. There's a lot of land, and if we had the kind of improvements that you're talking about, more of it would be habitable, especially where money's not a concern. So you might be able to just divide the land by a certain number and give everybody e equal portions of this and split. Yeah, you could. Also in this world, one world government. No world government. AI government. I mean, that's fine too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I want to picture it like, government. like you see in Futurama, where it's just the government instead of Earth is sky. Yeah. It's just like one city. Now, um, the practical in me says no. That's a terrible idea. But yeah, that would be like the perfect world if we can make that work. I actually like the idea of it. It's interesting. But it's never something I will advocate for at no political cost. No, you can. You couldn't purposefully build that world. It would have to. Coming to its own. Yeah, and it's not something that a lot of socialist activists are going <laughs> to make happen overnight. No, even with people pushing for it, if that were to work, it would take a long time to implement. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And and for the very fact that you'd have to perfect AI first, and that you don't know how long that would take. Could be overnight. Could be never. Yeah, no. <laughs> anything close to what AI is going to do, what they're talking about. It's not going to happen anywhere near that. And I assume you're, you're talking about animatronics as well. So n not just the intelligence part, but also the working part. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Everything would be kind of just known. Yeah. Any, yeah. By robots and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, and, um, it's, it's an interesting utopia. I do wonder in a world like this, and I, I don't know what I would picture in terms of how religion would be set up and spirituality would be set up. Because if you want to push meaning on people, you might almost have to push some type of religious narrative to create I mean, I like to think about my utopia in a spiritual sense where 
kind of borrow a little bit from the Bible and then a little bit of my own intuition and hope and figure that the afterlife is something we build ourselves. So the time you spend thinking while you're awake in your life helps you to create your afterlife. And the things that you value are what will exist in that afterlife. I kind of li- like that. It's like an individual's aspect of, you know, yeah, the individual afterlife. What right. they see it as is what they will get. Yeah, and that's, that's I, I, that is really cool. I like the idea of that. I mean, that's the whole idea of karma, of hell. It, it all ties into that. You know, it's kind of like I'm looking for the story without the metaphors. Now, in this spiritual system, if you do wrong throughout the world, will you get your way? Right. So if you spend your lifetime with toxic thinking and bringing forward toxic actions into the world as a result of that course of thinking, then you will pass on into a world colored by toxicity. Okay. So th- and that, that could actually shape a certain way of seeing in hell. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's like I said, it's the story without the metaphors. It's just going right to the middle of the thing and saying, forget about religion. What are they all trying to teach? What are all these religions pointing at? What they're saying is you create the world around you because this world reflects that world. The spiritual world in this world are the same, but in different planes. And if it is something into which we can pass, what we've created in our life will be reflected in our afterlife. It would almost be like this is elementary school and not every day in school. And there's probably something after that. Huh. No, no, that's that's an interesting concept. I I think that's actually really neat. I, I don't know if that's a really thought up piece. No, that's uh, it's original. It's it's a compilation of a lot of time thinking about these sort of things and then studying certain aspects of certain religions. Mm, thank you. I hope you're right on that one. I mean, I, I just I, I try to aim for a realistic spirituality. Take a sort of pragmatic approach to consciousness. You know, I the first step was tying consciousness to spirituality together and saying, okay, religion's really just the study of consciousness. It's what we should examine before we understood science, before we had magic. And that's that's what it does. Religion takes stories and it stores information within metaphors. The passing of time, the length of a year, planting and harvesting seasons, and then the flip side of that, the stuff that's less tangible, the metaphysical is encoded in there as well. And it's it's information passed down through generations over millennia, stories that are so deep in us that they're probably part of our genetics. I mean, if you took a a group of people and isolated them from society and allowed them to grow on their own, it's conceivable that they would form their own concepts of, say, spirituality or religion as oh a yeah, natural I don't product doubt. of their development. I don't doubt that at all. So, you yeah, know, I think that's something people need. It's, it's a really beautiful thing, and I, I just love exploring that. You know, I think everyone should. I really do. I mean, it's simple for science. Religion's there. Can you ask the questions that no one can answer? Yeah. Yeah, no, people definitely need that in, in their lives. I, I actually don't I, – I, I, fun- I look at atheists really funny because I don't understand why they actually enjoy looking at the world around them. Right. I mean, it's one thing to be against organized religion, but to just say that science is kind of lit. And I, I get the pragmatic approach to that, but that's so uh, – Well, it's closed-minded. Yeah. I, it's closed-minded and it's sad. It's depressing. It's to say that this is it. When you die, you're going to be buried in the dirt and you're done. You're just going to go to bed today. Yeah. And there, there is a lack of meaning in that. And 
I don't know where they get their meat, and it gets their purchase from, and most of the companies, it's none of it very nice. But the pursuit and study of the physical world, I mean, they yeah, that's true. They worship information. Information is their god. Science is their practice. Yeah, it's just sad. I, I think people need a certain code of thought of an afterlife that gives them reason to do good today. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, Sam Harris, he showed me Sam Harris's clip on YouTube where he talks about what was he talking about there? Let me let me well, see here. It was uh, basically to live in the present moment. That's that I'm yeah. That we're always looking forward and we're always looking back. Uh, anticipation for the future or memories of the past. We never we're actually just not focusing on the now and to make life sacred. He, I, I I he was saying ma- mainly for non-religious sense to make life feel special to feel sacred. Focus on the now because there is nothing that matters. Right. Just live in the moment. The way in the consciousness that it's uh, in his way of his description of neurons firing in different patterns in the brain. And when the neurons kind of come together and those experiences shared in those moments, that is now. That is the most sacred moment you're going to get. Yeah. And to follow that moment because that's where you will find personal well-being and happiness. Then you can focus on that now. I believe that the essence of spirituality, and it's something that you can quote directly from the Bible, where two or three are gathered in his name, his presence shall be felt, or or something to that extent. But basically, uh, conversation is where we are most well-connected to spirituality, whether it's the one-on-one conversation with a good friend or a small group, or even with your own thoughts. You can find that spirituality through conversation. There was an interesting... um, speech uh, by Jordan Peterson and I don't mean to quote too many people but he was talking about how speech kind of including from a biblical sense (coughs) that the first writings in Genesis (coughs) God said let there be light God said uh, and everything that was created God created the universe by speaking yeah there's spirituality in its essence and then when he he told Adam to uh, name the animals and they weren't really like real. They were just kind of foggy mysteries until Adam gave them a name. Mm. And it was that spoken word brings everything out into the open consciousness, to the open world. And and that c- that goes into an aspect of spirituality where everything almost could be answered through the word. Yeah. Communication is key, vital for the world. And that's why free speech is so important. Yeah. I mean, it, it brings everything out from the unknown to the known. And need that but a few religious people <laughs> yeah and I, I bring up the uh, the conversation point because you had mentioned Sam Harris considers these experiences to be the random firing of neurons in the brain yes but I believe in the consciousness underlying that of creating that experience and their brain firing as a result of the consciousness right and and some evidence I'd bring forward for that is you and I, we've been friends for 10 or 11 years now, right? Um, Something like that. Yeah, about yeah, maybe nine, 11 nine or 12. Ten, nine, 10 years. Somewhere in there, yep. And throughout our time growing up, we've had a lot of amazing experiences together. We've done some crazy stuff. We've had a lot of fun. But I know for certain there are certain memorable times where our neurons were firing exactly in the same way where we were having experiences through conversation and through, um, you know, just shared moments where we were thinking the same thoughts 
and just traveling through that conversation in such a clear way. And that experience, it lifts the heart, but it takes breath of the body. And it feels like it's completely dead. It's two parallel paths. Well, that leads to the beauty of our human connection in general and how we are connected in some certain way. And that's my argument for consciousness, that tangible sense of connection. It's funny, it's kind of an Eastern thought, because uh, the West is predicated, uh, especially in the original Greek thought and coming through the Enlightenment, how the individual is the creator of its world, and how in Eastern thought we're all kind of part of the collective world. And it, it's kind of hmm. interesting how they decree, and after extremes, you see the, the heavy, in, in political sense, you see the heavy capitalism, and then the heavy communism, and then from just in the extremes of philosophy, and it's kind of neat. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting, because... I think both are correct, but I think that the Western idea is sort of too focused, and it's not getting the bigger picture. So the, the individual creates his own world, but it's not a world created in isolation. It's a world that's existing within another world and shared with other people. So the Eastern philosophy, in my opinion, gets that right. You well, know? There was a cool line. Um, uh, who was it? Uh, Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky, yeah. Um, thank you. I uh, said something along the effects of every every man um, is responsible for everything that happens to him and everything that does not happen to him that happens to everyone else. Mm. And it's kind of neat because it takes an individualist approach to a collective whole, where right. everyone is responsible for themselves and everyone is responsible for everyone else. Gandhi said the same thing. Yeah. Be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah, and that's why it, it goes into why we should all take responsibility and carry ourselves forward to grow with everyone around us. Absolutely. You know, but don't just drop your trash. Pick it up. You know, if it falls out of your hand and you, you miss your shot, still take care of it. You know, it's those little things yeah. that have that karmic retribution. You know, you leave enough trash around, you find yourself living in trash because that's just how it works. Yeah, I mean, this, <laughs> this is another line from Jordan Peterson. I love that man. Yeah, um, he's a brilliant thinker. Where he was commenting on the Jews in the Old Testament and how they never take the path of Cain, which is cursing God. And it was Cain, um, well, Cain and Abel. Uh, Abel was much more successful in God's eyes until Cain killed him because he was mad at God for not giving Cain enough love, I guess, in a way. I, I just, short way to say it. A bit it. of jealousy. Yeah. yeah. And he was just commenting how the Jews, every time they are kind of beat up by God, which hmm, fair few times. It, it happens. It definitely happens yeah. more than once. Um, <laughs> and how they take the responsibility onto themselves and say, what did we do wrong? They never cursed God. They never said, they never said, why God, why did you do this to us? They say, what did we do wrong? And, and I think that there's a really it's a beautiful approach to that as far as, I think that's how everyone should take their own lives. Yeah. Before you blame anyone else for anything, look at what you did wrong. Look at what you can control and expand your horizons, too, because I, I see this at work where we'll ask somebody to get a certain thing taken care of, and they'll come back to me a few minutes later telling me they can't for X, Y, or Z reason. Yeah. And it's just they'll take the smallest little thing, you know, the bucket wasn't where I expected it to be. And then you say, okay, well, let's go find it. And people don't want to take responsibility for their own actions or their own it's so much easier not to, and that's why. It's not though. No it's one, well, no one, well, no one likes to admit they're wrong. It seems easier not to, but it's actually easier to take responsibility because you get momentum like that. No, you're right. You yeah. know, it it in the in the purest sense of a single moment, it's easier to not be a piece of wood. 
But over the time following it, when the work should have been done, you experience drawbacks. Yeah. Oh no, definitely not taking responsibility has more against you. Yeah. In the end of it, in the end game. But yeah, in that moment, it's much easier to just. It's easier to sit on your couch playing video games than writing your 10-page paper for school. Yeah. Even though you'll have to write that paper or you'll fail. And when you fail, you can't blame the internet for crapping out. You can't blame your computer. You can't You can't blame time restraints because that was on you. Yeah. Yep. And that's just how I think everyone's got to start looking at their lives. Got to take ownership. Now, and there are things for certain people that are outside of your control. You can't control where you were born. You can't control the life that you grew up in. You you really can't control if your family is rich or poor. But you can better yourself no matter what you do. That's really, everyone should always try to be better than, give their kids' lives better than the lives of their parents gave them. Even if their parents' lives gave, lives, sorry. <laughs> Even if parents gave you a great life, give your kid a better one. Yeah. And make that trend continue. I, that, I mean, that's how you grow. That's how a family grows. Yeah, we've been doing something right. We've made it this far, but the question is where do we go from here, you know? And that actually brings me to another question, getting back towards our topic. Um, earlier, you mentioned you sort of believe in rebirth, right? Um, or you could see an argument for it? It's, it's the one that's always stuck with me in my gut. Like, wh- when I grew up, I always learned, like, the Judeo-Christian heaven and hell. And then when I first started finding um, aspects of rebirth through Hinduism and Buddhism, um, it just clung to me. <laughs> huh. So what level of rebirth that I, I actually think, it, it's hard—it's really hard to define. Um, I would tend to think that, I get my gut would say your rebirth into a human lineage. Okay. But I could also see the argument for being rebirth. There's like the six paths of rebirth in Buddhism. I forget all the paths, I'll forgive you, but there's one where it's your Deva, I think it's called, like D-E-V-A, and that kind of acts as an angelic figure for mm. a certain amount of time. And um, I, uh, like I said, I forgot all of them. <laughs> but one one is uh, the, f- the first level of the worst, so I guess it would be number three, whatever, whatever um, is animal. And to come back as an animal, you have to be extraordinarily prejudicial, prejudicial in your own life. And then experience the worst form of prejudice when you come back mm. and then there's certain levels of there's one where you're like an you're kind of a ghostly figure with an unending appetite for however long uh, there's a couple levels of hell like a fire hell and a light hell um but it's all it's all interesting stuff i, I don't think i go that far into it as far as my belief system but right it's all it was really interesting when i first re- when i first read it i was my like my mind was exploding so what is it that draws you to the concept of rebirth is it personal desire to see that as the afterlife or probably yeah yeah i (coughs) um i i find the heaven and hell kind of uncomfortable um when we talk about the level of sin in the biblical in the bible and certain sins that i think and we're back actually just managed to do a little Christmas shopping on that break. I feel great. Yes, God told me what needed to be done. Yep, you know, I kind of totally forgot it was Christmas Eve and realized, I still have presents to buy. Yep, so congratulations to those who will get alcohol for their Christmas presents. Which hopefully is everybody over the age of 21. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the young one in the family. 
anyway, let's uh, return to our subject here. So basically, I, s I do see an element of the, the possibility of rebirth and spirituality. I, I look at it as sort of a progression of knowledge, right? So the first thing would be an, a microorganism. This would be the birth of consciousness, something which has only one task and very few bodily functions to control. Okay. And then as it masters those requirements, as it dies, it passes on into its next form, making it eventually to the form of the tree, where it's changed its sunlight and growing taller and managing more area. Yeah. And then mobility, you know, animals. So from the pure consciousness perspective, I see the evolution of a consciousness. I don't know if there's such a thing as, you know, the memory of consciousness, but it's the same way science describes um, evolution, that we all started as single-celled organisms and evolved through complexity into uh, what we are now. All right, that'd be kind of neat, and a rebirth form of that organism. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be sick. It, it, it aligns with genetic memory. You know, if we could unpack our DNA and see what was actually written in there and how, we'd be able to read it all the way back through those memories. All right, so here's the question. What comes after humans? Well, that is the question, and that's arguably the reason that uh, we were touched by God in the story of Genesis, you know, created separately from everything. Yeah. And he, he says that we'd be able to partner with him again. Oh, and that's where the idea of why we have free will is even different. Right. Yeah, that gift from the gods. Which, going back to that first debate that was posted, I, I conceded that debate. Yeah. Openly going to concede that. You're you're on the free will side uh, of things. Y y yeah, I was convinced. Well, I'm glad to hear that because it, it it's just so much more beautiful. It's a better way to live believing in free will. Well, even then, I totally admitted that that free will was a better mission concept. Yeah, absolutely. Just harder to prove. Well, yeah, but proof is it, it comes in more forms. You know, scientific proof is one thing, but what we all know to be true is a different thing. True, but there was the point of um, a personal feeling of free will. I mean, not to go back into that debate. Yeah, well, touch uh, on it. I it's hard to define truth through individual experiences. It is. Because that's just a feelings based argument, and it kind of but that's doesn't hold up in a lot of ways. But that's underscored by scientific reason. And I'm saying yeah. there's these are two separate things. So it's hard to prove one with the other. You know, in the... In the realm of free will, there's very little, if anything, to measure. So science science would have no use there, and True. vice versa. Yeah, I mean, I'd still say there's definitely an element of both. Well, that's the, the crossover comes in Compatibilism, art. which y you can argue is good or not, or useful or not. But well, I, s I see the crossover in art, where you've got you know, necessary proportions for beauty, which can be scientific scientifically measured, but also the necessary creativity of a free will conscious being creating this image you know like yeah and interpreting, interpreting the world how their mind sees fit computer generated and mathematically generated art can be beautiful but not in the same way that something which is created by human hands is beautiful well it, it would be interesting to see like going in future tech with the AI seeing if an AI could come up with a truly emotionally awe-inspiring piece of art yeah would definitely be a very interesting experience. Yeah, when AI gets to that far, that's where we kind of run into the future. <laughs> we might have 
Yeah, that, that might be deep in the future, too. Oh, very. I wonder about that. You know, and, and that's actually, it's a question to be asked, um, where does consciousness begin, you know? Is, is the fact that the computer is capable of changing its state independently an element of consciousness? And has consciousness entered computer systems? That's a good question. It is. I would say yes, for the most part. Um, I believe unconsciousness, kind of where the human experience aligns, is through interactions of those in the same place. Okay. Of like consciousness, kind of, it's almost necessary on human interactions. And if we can give AI that human interaction, I don't see why not. Yeah. I, I think the fact that it's computer generated um, makes it harder to get behind that thought it seems less concealed it much yeah yeah but is it you know it's like what is the nature of consciousness is consciousness in a spiritual sense i would say no yeah in a practical of what consciousness is i don't see why not but in the same way we were created we are created and we don't consider ourselves any less valid because we were created by a higher being does the higher being consider us less valid no, do we consider lower beings less, less valid? Yes. Well, there's your answer. <laughs> Some of us. Yeah. I don't know, though, because there's, well, w- there's uh, always respect for animals. and. I don't even mean animals, uh, but specifically, let's say humans create this AI that can go into human interaction. We create a certain um, android-ish type of being on the planet where we have robots that look human, act human. How do we, how do we as humans see them? If they're they're just computer generated machines, but they walk and talk and act like us. I, I really wonder if <laughs> we'll ever get a civil rights group for them. Yeah, I don't I don't know for sure. It, it seems possible. It really does. I, I think that a being like that. I mean, if it can mimic consciousness and intelligence well enough to fool us, it's very possible that it is at that point in time. Yeah. No, it's a, it's funny. There's a video game that came out this year, Detroit Become Human, PlayStation One. I think PlayStation is better. Um, where yeah. it's that it's a, it's a very story based game on a future world where there are androids. <laughs> yeah, it's civil rights. Huh. It's civil rights for androids. The game. I feel like I I didn't actually finish the game, but it was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, it was just screaming politics. Yeah. Like screaming minority civil rights tropes, which is fine. But wow, was it in your face. Yeah. But it, it did bring up that question of how do we view those in terms of computers? How do we view them? Yeah. What rights would they have, if any? You know? Yeah. And uh, let's, let's just go on the assumption that if they could emulate humanity perfectly, they would have rights. Let's just say that that's the consensus. At what point do we begin to give them those rights? So how how independent does the robot need to be for it to begin enjoying rights? I think it would have to be able to correctly respond to human emotions. Okay. And correctly respond into those states so a human would respond in a certain state. Okay, so it's, it's a matter of awareness. It's Yeah, I, I would say so. Like, let... Would it? Would one of these have feelings, and would they grieve? Mm. When you start hitting to that point, I, I, I don't see why you wouldn't. Or just respond to them more and give them the rights. Right. 
Because I think when we get to that point, that's a dangerous territory. That's a dangerous place. True. I still feel like we'd have the Trump card on them. Well, yeah, we shut them down and then they once they until came until they get so good we can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they came up with an alternative policy, which is something we're working on, you know, with the uh, electronic cards are going to be a big push in the direction of sustainable energy. We need more nuclear power. We'll be done with it. Well, we need to perfect the fusion generation. Yeah. Nah. Um. Well, here's a here's a good here's an interesting question. Do you think uh, the government should be pushing renewable energy into the market? How would they do that? They would collectively regulate um, harsher regulations on companies that use other types of energy sources, okay, coal or oil, whatever, and um, yeah, basically give tax benefits to people who use renewable energy and stuff like that. Well, there are already tax benefits. Tax oh yeah. Especially at this point where the renewable sources aren't as productive as traditional sources of energy. Yeah, but you can pump more money into making it that productive. Well, it's I don't think it's just that simple. No, it's definitely not. You know? I, I'm, I don't know how much money they actually do fund into these groups. I know a lot of these groups are fairly corrupt. <laughs> yeah, but these you have a lot of very passionate people um, from all different walks of life all in yeah. So it's it's something that if it is possible, it will be done. But the one of the old conspiracy theories that I really liked was having to do with Nikola Tesla. And the idea was that he had come up with a way to harvest energy at basically zero cost. But this is why Was this the car that ran on water? No, it's not it's not that. It's uh Tesla coils and some wireless pretty crazy stuff and I'm not I can't remember now how valid any of it is but at the time I was researching it it seemed a little off but anyway the, the idea was he just came up with a way to, to harvest energy at zero cost infinite energy and that's why he was awesome as a scientist and his ideas were crazy yeah I wouldn't doubt that uh, there are a lot of groups that want to keep their money flowing in yeah a lot of interest groups that a lot of people to fund yep they don't don't need to but Eh, it's kind of what it does, right? I mean, it's it's too bad that corporations would purposely halt progress in order to increase profitability. But it's survival of the fittest. No, and that and that's absolutely true. And that's how you create a progressive not progressive in a liberal sense, but like you progress through society is you, you the strong will ultimately win. Yeah, absolutely. That's just the truth. I <laughs> feel bad for saying that, but well, they they win for a reason. Yeah. When when the time is right for a, an invention like what Tesla had theoretically presented, then it'll stick. But the time wasn't right. There's there's more for us to figure out before we have access to that kind of technology. Because when you when you're talking about that, you're talking about a runaway train of steps. You got infinite unstoppable energy. It, I mean, it depends on the constraint. If it's constrained to some sort of magnetic field around Earth then it's not quite as exciting. But if it's a independent power source, you're talking infinite space travel. Yeah. You know? Oh, that would Infinite that. acceleration. 
<laughs> that would be wild. I mean, that would probably crush the market, though, in a sense. A lot of places would die real fast. Well, sex sex is in the market. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. But how would how would this be brought to the people? Would it be everyone just has this unlimited source for free, or would some certain companies have to buy the rights to it in order to actually run it oh, as yeah. a, as a business? Well, the the concern here is that I don't know any of the specifics, and all I could do is imagine. No, that's so, fine. That's fine. You know, we're talking about an issue of scalability. If it's some sort of water tower sized antenna that's wired together via the wireless power source, then it wouldn't be available to everybody because it would demand scalability. Yeah. So it, it depends, but you know, I- ideally it would be. You're talking when you're talking about a battery, you want something that comes with it, and provide relative power. So it's I don't know, man. It, ideally, we'd be able to come up with some sort of pattern that doesn't require pressure. At least if they screw it, go back to your utopian society and say fuck all the energy in general and just go back to tribal living. I, yeah. That's my point, you know. I mean, this whole thing's fun. It really is. It's a lot of fun. But we are living in Sodom and Gomorrah. We were warned about this. And listen, I'm. I quote the Bible because there's some really good stories in there. I'm not a religious person. You know this. Yeah, that's fine. You know, and I I don't present religion in that kind of way, but there's metaphors to draw as well. You have uh, twin cities living in sin next to each other, and they face the harshest punishment, basically instant extinction because of the way that they're living. And it's a bit of a warning for America because we are living an unsustainable lifestyle, generating more debt than profit and with a chaotic culture to boot with a chaotic culture and with a statistics recipe for disaster uh, all, well all empires will fall eventually except in america at this point yeah well just like with all nuclear disasters well metaphorically it's a fall but physically it's a fall yeah yeah but i don't think many actually nations f- physically fall buildings don't fall but yeah it's a good point you yeah. know some Kind of a dumb saying, isn't it? I don't know. I like it. Just write it on the wall. <laughs> it's not about that wall. Yeah. That was a good wall. Was yeah. It was some of those crafty jokes. Oh, we wrote all kinds of things. I had a wall when we were growing up, and we painted it with white washi paint, and we used black, white, and red for the markings to draw over it. And it, wa- it wasn't just one wall. It was the whole bedroom. Yeah, that was a cool together one. With black, white, red, and white, black, white paint scheme. And I remember one that stuck was, in life, nobody cares about you but yourself. And that was complimented throughout by that style. Yeah, well, that's true True enough. It is. And people, it doesn't matter if people will care for you or not. You should live as if you're willing to care for yourself. Yeah, it goes back to bearing your burden, bearing your responsibility exactly. b- of yourself. If people voluntarily come and help you pick up some of the weight, that's a wonderful thing. But you'd never expect it if you don't look out for yourself. Well, and that's the difference of something like a, a government action for taxes into social review, social programs that create a uh, public good of some sort versus people willingly giving their money to charitable organizations, again, for public good. Right. And there is a massive difference in uh, the meaning behind those two. And I, I think that's what a lot of it gets muddled up between when – a lot of those on the left, the, the socialist left, say that Republicans don't care about people. They, they, they don't care. They don't care about poor people. But it's the ma- it's them giving to charity the most. It's them donating to church organizations that the left is trying to destroy. Right. It's they're just, you know, destroy the churches. Then the right can't give to everybody. Then they can blame the right for not giving. <laughs> you want to talk about a dumb conspiracy? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a messed up world right now. And 
get lost in it sometimes, Mike. I gotta be honest. Yeah, no. So the one thing, all right, first year of college, uh, I, I learned one lesson, and that was nothing makes sense. Mm. That, that's and I just kind of took that through life, and it's true. The world is absolutely chaotic. Yeah. Yep, but that's kind of our job is to wade through the chaos and create a strip of order. Yeah. Uh, a path through time that we can call our own. Yeah, you walk through the mud to kind of find your way. Yeah. That's uh, that's life. Such is life. I think this should be the conclusion of our Christmas podcast. Yeah, we'll end this one early today. A little early. It's All right. It's been a good day. It's been a good podcast. We're going to shoot for next week to do some style of a debate on some sort of topic or something. Yeah, return a little bit more to the debate format. Yeah. Try and keep it formal. Lay off, get it out of the way. Yeah. Maybe after this news week's done. Yeah, we'll figure out a topic then. Yep. So, tune back in next week for the next thrilling installment of the Echo and Sound Streak podcast. Perhaps in the future be known as Social Sound Streak. Um, yeah, we talked about that as a name. I think that was a separate channel or something. Oh, that's right. Okay. We'll yeah. see. That sounds good to me, though. Yeah. We'll figure it out. All right, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Enjoy. Christmas.